my goal really is to make it as easy as possible for people to do as much of this for themselves as they can. Because let's face it, the expense of hiring a lawyer, even just for a quick question, can be hundreds of dollars or, or more. And that's an expense that most independent podcasters really don't want to or can't afford to incur. And I would rather have people trying to do these things themselves than ignoring it ostrich head in the sand kind of mode and waiting for the real trouble to come when basically it either forces them to shut down or reach into their pocket and pay out a lot more money to settle or solve a problem. Welcome to the Talking Silkworm podcast, the go-to show for coaches and entrepreneurs seeking to build and grow their audiences by using the power of their voice. We provide valuable insights, advice, and resources to help you create a strong online presence and connect with your ideal audience. Whether you have a podcast, video channel, course, or any other type of content that involves your voice, with new episodes every week, you'll always have access to the latest strategies for taking your voice-based content to the next level. Are you ready to take action and start building your audience? Tune in and let us help you unleash the power of your voice. What legal aspects should I consider when starting and running a podcast show? What are the legal implications of having guests or having a co-host on my show? These are aspects that we are going to cover in today's interview with Gordon Firemark. Gordon is a lawyer and he specializes in the aspects related to and the entertainment business and content creation. So he is the go-to person when it comes to these, to these kind of subjects. Some of the aspects we are going to be covering in today's interview is why you should care about the legal side of your podcast. Yeah. And the different categories of legal issues you can have. The legal aspects you have to take into consideration when having a guest on your show, and that includes having a guest release form and other aspects related to having a co-host and the ownership and copyright details related to that and how you can prevent legal issues and make your life a lot easier in the present and future of your podcast show. This interview is a mass listen because either you are podcasting for your business or as a hobby, you should manage your podcast professionally and that includes taking care of the legal aspects of your show. So here goes our interview with Gordon Firemark. Gordon Firemark, really glad to have you on the Audience Coach Podcast. Thank you very much for being with us today. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited about it. Thank you, Gordon. So you're a lawyer and you have a background in working with the music industry, right? Mainly the theatrical film and television industries. I did some work early on in my career in the music industry, but I was a sound technician in the theater. So oh, the 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 toys of music and the toys of podcasting and, and live theater are all very similar. So I have a lot of fun with it. Okay. So that, that's where everything connects together, right? Like the law side and the working with artists side. Exactly as well. right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. That's good. And, but besides that, you also are a podcaster and you work with podcasts. How did you end up 
working uh, as a legal consult consultant for podcasters, Gordon? Well, I'll tell you, you know, I, I'm, my original plan in life was to be working in the entertainment industry. I, law school only came about uh, late in that, in that plan while I was in, uh, in university. And uh, when I finished law school, I, I ended up going to work for some firms. And, I, you know, I was enjoying working in, as I said, music, television, theater, those kinds of things. But I, because I had been in a, in a uh, media production environment prior to that, I sort of missed it. And then when I discovered podcasting, first as a listener, and then I was invited to be a guest expert on a couple of shows about video and so on, I got the bug and I decided to create my own podcast, which is called Entertainment Law Update. We started that show in 2009. And uh, as I was getting started in podcasting, I, I wanted to make sure I knew the legal stuff related to that. And I went looking, there were no resources on the subject. So I set about to make one. And I wrote a book called The Podcast Blog and New Media Producers Legal Survival Guide. And when you write a book, you become positioned as an expert and people start reaching out and asking for help with things. And, and uh, so I've, I've been marketing myself to that community for quite some time, both as a podcaster and a consultant advisor to podcasters. Yeah, I think you, it, th these, This is where it applies like this uh, blue ocean strategy. Like there are very, very few people who do what you do. And there is, a th I think, a very strong need for that because podcasting is a growing industry, even though it seems it's large, it's still very small to what the, like, what, what, what the potential size can be in the near future. I would say actually podcasting is sort of in its adolescence. You know, there's the early childhood where it's just growing a little bit, a lot, it's growing rapidly. But now we're getting to that point where we're going to have all those growing pains that we experience with teenagers, you know, and things like that, where uh, we've got the big players in the game and we've got the independents and there's going to be the clash between how things operate in those areas. And sort of I'm here to try to bridge that gap and make sure that for those who want to do things in a business-like professional way, they have the tools and the know-how and the availability of the resources to make that happen. Yeah. Without having to go out and raise money and venture capital and those kinds of crazy things. Now that you mention it, uh, yeah, I've seen some discussions and some, yeah, like around, around podcasting and legal stuff uh, surrounding podcasting now that it's become such a huge industry. So I think eventually it's going to be something necessary for everybody. You work, you insist a lot uh, uh, on taking care of the legal side of your podcast show, having a guest release signed which I didn't, <laughs> by the way, I didn't have a guest release sign. I, I don't use to, to, to do this kind of thing, but I'm learning. I'm learning. Yeah, I'm well, let's really... talk about that for a moment, if you don't mind. So first of all, I will give you my consent. I'll say, uh, you hereby have my permission to record my voice and to republish, broadcast, edit, whatever you need to do in order to publish your podcast. I'm giving you that permission irrevocably and in perpetuity throughout any and all media. And you don't have to pay me and I won't have any expectations of approvals or any of that kind of thing. So go, go with God and have a good time with it. You notice I threw in a few buzzwords in there, irrevocable and in perpetuity and those kinds of things. The reason that I advocate using a written release form or having it on a, a web form where people check a box and say, yes, I agree, is that you don't want to leave those key things out. There are about five specific things that have to be included. And most of the time when people just say, hey, is it okay? We're going to start recording. They don't ask the right questions. And that's what sets up the problems for people to challenge things later on. 
I've seen you are uh, you insist on this a lot, mm-hmm. and you even have a you have a, a form yeah. that people can download. I guess release form that people can download. Exactly the right. If you, if then, you go ahead, go 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 ahead. I was going to say exactly right. If you go to podcastrelease.com, you can download a free copy of my uh, attorney drafted podcast guest release. So that's podcastrelease.com, and uh, it's free. You'll you'll end up giving me your email address, so I will send you a few follow ups and things, but. Uh, uh, I hope it helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I, I already got that and I get the emails as well. Gordon, why, why should people care about this? Why should I care as a podcaster about getting somebody's release form signed? Or like, why, why should we care about the legal side of a podcast show? Because like there are so many people doing it. It's just some people think it's just like sitting down and having a conversation with another person and that's it. And that's actually quite fine. If that's all you intend to do, if it's just a way to meet a few new people and, and, you know, you enjoy recording your voice and, and other people. But I think most of us are, are doing podcasting for a bigger reason. We want to have some kind of an impact. We want our message to land with people and uh, maybe change the world a little bit, you know, one, one person at a time, one listener at a time. But if you want to have that kind of an impact, I really believe that the even if you're a hobbyist, even if you don't intend to make money from it, having a professional approach to things. That is, look, we, we worry about how good does our sound sound. We worry about is the content of the show good? Well, I think we need to worry about the back end of things as well, the business side of it, so that we are positioned as professional media creators. Because, yeah, it's very easy to just make something and throw it out there on the Internet. And, yeah, maybe a few people hear it and like it. But if you want to grow, if you want to monetize, if you want to make, you know, advertising revenue or, or something like that, there are rules that we have to follow. There are systems that need to be in place. And there are risks that we take when we make media and put it out there. The bigger your audience, the more risky it is because someone's going to hear something and not like it or, or some guest is going to be disgruntled that you presented them a certain way or someone will come on the show and then they co-own the episode with, you know, all kinds of of pitfalls can arise. And so taking this professional approach from the very beginning, even if you never intend to go farther than hobbyist, is still worthwhile. Just like if you were getting into photography, taking pictures, you want good equipment, you want to think about, you know, so take that professional approach, get rid of the amateur hour stuff. And there's room in the marketplace for those folks as well. But those of us that are really serious about it, I think we need to be as professional as possible. Yeah, I think that's very important, particularly for our audience, Gordon, because uh, we work with people who want to start podcasts for podcasts for businesses. So I think in this case, it's going to be even more, more, more of an important factor to include all the legal aspects it entails. Gordon, can you give us some, some examples of common issues or barriers podcasters face right now because they are not taking care of their legal aspects of the show? Well, you know, there are sort of four categories of issues that come up. The first is about, you know, the business structure, ownership of things and, and uh, uh, protecting against the risks and liabilities. And so that is the legit business approach to things. There's the stuff that comes up when you have a team, when you have helpers working on your show, editors, writers, researchers, co-hosts who aren't also owners of the show, things like that. And we need to deal with those kinds of things correctly. But the intellectual property area is one where we have a lot of uh, sort of big issues. And I'm going to come right back to that. But the fourth category is the relationships with our 
customers and clients, the sponsors or branded content, the, the, you know, the people who are behind that or affiliate deals, whatever it is. The biggest issues that I'm seeing, the, the most common questions that I'm dealing with are around using music in the show or having issues with partners, former co-hosts or co-podcasters who've created something together and then someone wants to quit or someone isn't pulling their weight and the other one wants to kick them out, those kinds of issues. And so that's where having what I call a podcast prenup really uh, makes oh. a lot of sense. You know, that, that's an agreement between an agreement or, or you could be forming a, a corporation or a limited company or something like that as a way of setting up the structure and dealing with the what happens if scenarios when someone can no longer participate or isn't pulling their weight or dies or just wants to be bought out or wants to buy out the other party. You can get all that down ahead of time when everything is good and then you don't have fights over it later on or less, fewer fights over it later on. I really like this email you make, uh, a podcast prenup. It sounds good. It sounds really good. And I think it, it exemplifies pretty well all the situation. As long as everything is working perfectly, like nobody has any issues, but as soon as things go down the drain, sometimes you get into conflicts and like you want to avoid that for yourself and like and maybe even preserve the relationship with your co-host and the rest of the team. Well, you, know, you said it. When, when, when things are going well, nothing bad happens, right? Everything is just humming along. If it's predictable. You kind of know what to expect. I mean, you have ups and downs, of course. And when you do the legal stuff correctly, nothing bad happens. That's the goal. So it's very hard for, you know, when we talk about providing legal services or, or resources to podcasters, it's really hard to point to, you know, all, I mean, all the bad stuff that can happen is there. But, it, you know, if, if people have done it right, there's all these examples of folks who've been podcasting for years and never had a problem. And you don't know what's gone on behind the scenes. You don't know whether they've set those things up. We have to assume that they're doing things well and correctly. And, and, uh, uh, and that, that's why nothing bad has happened. And so that's my goal is help people make sure nothing bad happens. Okay, that sounds great. Th th there is a detail within that, making sure nothing bad happens. And it is how do you manage, Gordon, these legal aspects when the different team members or maybe the co-host or maybe the guest are in other countries. Because, for example, in my case, I'm based in Colombia and I've been talking to people uh, that live in, Cal in Canada, in the States, in Ireland, Australia. So how, how do you manage that? Because I understand the law usually, like there are some common things, particularly in terms of copyright, like they tend to be pretty similar because there are international agreements around that. But there are other aspects that are particular to each country's yeah, characteristics. So how can you manage that situation? Well, for one, you're absolutely correct. There are international treaties that deal with copyrights and trademarks and patents and, and frankly, how contracts are going to be interpreted from country to country as well. So yes, it's true that each country may, may treat things differently, but there is enough common thread, enough common ground that we can predict outcomes in many instances. And getting things down in writing gives you the opportunity to clarify and make sure that people from different parts of the world are, are operating on a shared assumptions, shared expectations basis. And finally, when we make contracts, we usually state which country or state's law will govern the terms of the contract. So if you are, and that's a function of bargaining and negotiating power, honestly, but if you're the, the main driving force behind your show and you're in Colombia, then 
can say the law of the nation of Colombia will govern any disputes that arise under this contract. And you can even say, and by the way, if there's going to be a dispute, you get to come to Colombia to deal with it here, <laughs> which can <laughs> okay. be a really strong deterrent for people. Okay, okay. And if you want to be more fair about things, you can also agree on, you know, some kind of online international arbitration or that this is where lawyers come in and think about these kinds of issues and figure out what makes sense, what's fair for the parties and, and those kinds of things. So I think it's important to always have communication with a lawyer, a local lawyer, like in your case, I, either you're a host or a guest to better understand what things can happen. Well, Yes and no. You know, I, I, it definitely makes sense. If you don't know the answers to your questions, reach out and find someone who does. And most of the time, that's, a, you know, legal stuff. It's a lawyer. But my goal really is to make it as easy as possible for people to do as much of this for themselves as they can. Because let's face it, the expense of hiring a lawyer, even just for a quick question, can be hundreds of dollars or, or more. And, and that's an expense that most independent podcasters really don't want to or can't afford to incur. And I would rather have people trying to do these things themselves than ignoring it ostrich head in the sand kind of mode and waiting for the real trouble to come when basically it either forces them to shut down or reach into their pocket and pay out a lot more money to settle or solve a problem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I think that, that you mentioned uh, a way to prevent that kind of situation where you have to go like try to settle a problem through the legal way. The guest release. That's uh that I think this is a key point. I haven't used it. We have been discussing the 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 idea to start using it with our guests. We have signed the guest release where we have been guests on other podcast shows. So what is exactly a guest release and what or how will it protect you, or how can it serve both the host and the guest of, of a podcast show? Well, the, the release is a kind of contract between the host and the guest, where the guest is, is giving you that permission that we talked about a few minutes ago. The consent to be recorded and to have that recording published, either edited or not, and a consent uh, that the show, the owner, the content that they're creating with you, after all, a guest is a co-creator of the episode, uh, will still belong only to you, the podcaster, the host. And that there's no compensation, or maybe there is compensation. The contract can specify how a person will be compensated. And that it is irrevocable and it lasts forever so that there's no opportunity for that guest to later come out of the woodwork and say, hey, I don't like it, take it down. Now, that doesn't mean you have to leave it up. If there's a problem, if, there, if the guest said something that hurts someone else, maybe you do want to take it down. Or if it's going to mean the guest loses their job, well, you certainly have the flexibility. But I'd much rather have that flexibility than be, you know, boxed in by what the guest wants in that scenario. So the, the release is a, a form. It's a, a, a legal contract. And after all, co contract is another word for agreement. So the parties are agreeing on these terms and there you go. It doesn't have to be a printed form that you send or a PDF that somebody signs and sends back. It could be on a web form where when you sign up to be on the show and you book your appointment for the recording, you read through the material and you, like I said, you check a box and say, I agree. And then, uh, and then you have a contract. Most of the time that's binding enough in, uh, at least here in the United States, and I believe most countries now recognize these online click wrap agreements, we call them. And um, 
that's enough manifestation of your intent to be bound that it'll work and save you a lot of trouble. I've, I've seen a lot of situations where a disgruntled former guest comes back months, years, even days later and says, you know, I'm having second thoughts about that whole thing. I really don't publish my episode or take it down. And I think that should be up to the podcaster, not the guest. That's my feeling. About yes. Hello there. Sorry for the interruption, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. We are always creating new tools and resources to help you improve your craft as a podcaster. A manual for your podcast guests to sound and look better? We've got it. A content calendar template to organize your show? We've got that too. A guide to buy the best recording equipment without breaking the bank? Yes, we've got that as well. We even have a course on how to record podcasts. Get your hands on these resources today at TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. We're constantly updating this page with new tools and resources just for you. Remember, TalkingSilkworm.com slash resources. All right, that's it for this special message. Now let's get back to the episode. Yes, yes, yes. I totally agree with that, that you never know what's going to happen. And I haven't had the case, though, or like or having to take down an episode because of that. But I, I do see sometimes, for example, when you are, like you are creating podcasts for companies that the company asks the guest or the, the employee to have the episode reviewed before it goes live. Because like sometimes they mention, I don't know, a number or a project that was confidential and they want to keep that private. And, and it's certainly appropriate to honor those kinds of requests. And, and if you're creating a show for a business, that business, you know, may and probably should think of itself as the owner. If they're paying for it, if they're, you know, if they've hired you to do the show, then, yeah, you do things their way. Uh, but you want to protect them by having the guests sign the release in order to protect them as well. Gordon, is there like before they like going back to the example of a prenup? Like sometimes you can even avoid the prenup situation if you see red flags in, on, like on the other person's side. Are there any red flags you can identify on a potential guest, for example, or on a potential partner that can let you know or give you an idea that it's not good to proceed and to establish a contract with this person? With guests in particular, it can be challenging because you may not know these people very, very well at the time that you agree to do the recording. I would say that a guest who erects roadblocks to the, the recording process or insists on sending you questions. I mean, it's nice when they send you some ideas about what to ask them, but if they, if they want to circumscribe the content and only talk about these issues, I think that's a little bit of a red flag. I think that if they're asking about, um, you know, can they have access to the audio files, the raw files, uh, that suggests that they may want to edit the content their way. And that's a red flag for me. I think that's a, a common problem is where the guest wants to publish it themselves rather than send people to your RSS feed or whatever. So I think personality is going to be the biggest indicator and you just want to have a little rapport. So it sometimes makes sense to do a little pre-interview with the person just to get a sense. And of course, you know, if they're not willing to make an effort to have good sound quality, I think that's a, a big red flag <laughs> as well. Uh, because it's going to be the same when it comes to an effort to help you publicize the episode or 
whatever else might be needed. So, well, in terms of the audio quality thing, I have to excuse them in some occasions because uh, sometimes they try really hard and they are not tech savvy. Oh my God. And it's, it's so frustrating sometimes on their side. I like, yeah, I understand. But yeah, I, I did have the experience at some point where we were one, like we were trying to have this guest and that person was asking us like for way too much information, like in, in like uh, the raw files. And they wanted to have control over the final cut of the episode and how things were going to be presented. So uh, we didn't go on. We didn't go on with this person. And we prefer to have another expert to cover that topic. Exactly right. I think that's the kind of thing that you really try to avoid. Uh, you know, obviously, sometimes you really need that person. And so you make adjustments to deal with it. But uh, when it's avoidable, it makes sense to yeah stay out of trouble. <laughs> totally, totally. Okay, let's switch a little bit, Gordon, from having guests and partners to the content, to the very content of the show. Because, like, okay, interactions with people can give you situations, but also what you say in your content can bring you situations. And in our case, we work with a lot of health and wellness coaches. And sometimes, I mean, this is health advice. This is going to directly impact people's bodies and uh, health. Do you think if I am creating a podcast, for example, around nutrition or around fitness or around mental health, should I add like a disclaimer or should I add certain pieces of information within the content to cover myself legally, to protect myself legally? I think that if there's a risk to the listener, if they follow the advice that they're getting on the show, if that puts them in some kind of a risk, it does definitely make sense to let them know, hey, you should check with a doctor before you embark on this kind of a regimen or, you know, your results may vary. You know, you, you, you don't want to be promising an outcome that you can't guarantee for people either. With that said, I don't think most people expect from a podcast that they're getting all of the information any more than if they were to buy a book, a diet book. But, you know, even diet books, they do publish, they do, you know, they include a disclaimer. Hey, before you do this, check with your doctor, make sure you're not going to hurt yourself. So yes, I think, I think disclaimers make sense. They're going to be different for every single show, every single guest, every single expert. And so you just have to be thoughtful about it and, um, and express that. Another thing I will, uh, that maybe calls for a little bit of a disclaimer is if you have a guest who's expressing controversial opinions or points of view about, I don't know, science denial or vaccine, you know, who knows what it is. Mm -hmm. um, you may want to occasionally as the host come in and say, just a reminder, the opinions expressed here are those of our guests and not necessarily the show. And, uh, you know, take things with a grain of salt or, or whatever. You can do that after in post afterwards or whatever. But it, it's a good idea to just sort of remind your audience, hey, this is one point of view, not the whole truth all the, you know, all the time. And uh, same is true you know, if, you're, if you're in a regulated profession, lawyers, doctors, accountants, finance people, um, uh, financial advisors, stockbrokers, and things like that, there are lots of rules that govern what we are allowed to say and, and the kinds of advice we're allowed to offer and those kinds of things. So my disclaimer when I'm giving legal advice on a show, and I should do it now, is I am a lawyer, but I'm not your lawyer just because mm -hmm. you're listening to this show. And so yes. if you have a legal situation that's coming up, lots of information is helpful, but it, there's no substitute for consulting a lawyer that you've hired to investigate the facts and the law specific to your situation. Yeah. Each particular case has its own yeah. set of, of situations. Yes. 
So each disclaimer is going to have its own circumstances. I do think that's very important. I've been thinking about that a lot because we do have uh, a client uh, and they produce, like they are, they are medical doctors and they create content around fitness and they do include that uh, disclaimer, uh, but a lot of our other clients don't. So I was thinking, okay, and I think it's, it's important like that people are aware that this content is a guide maybe or a help, but it's not like you should take for yourself without any filters. You should always consult with an expert for your particular case. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Now that you mentioned the topic of, of having controversial guests, and I know, I understand this is a very hot topic in the States, uh, and it has to do with what you can say, what you cannot say. Some people are right to, like, uh, it's crazy, okay? Like, it, it's, it's okay to have some people on your show. Some people are, is it okay to have, your, uh, to have them on your show, depending on who, who views that. Uh, there are situations with censorship and all that. So. How can I protect myself or how can I protect my, my, how can I protect my, my show in case I am getting these like requests by a third party individual or a company or whatever, because they think something is offensive or something is immoral or they just don't like that person or that topic because it, it even goes to that. Like they, it's like they don't share that personal view and they want to have the other view eliminated. Yeah. How can you protect yourself against that? Well, there's a lot to unpack here. You know, on the one hand, we have the, the situation where the, the, the audience member just doesn't like what was said. What was said might be true. It might be a real or genuinely held opinion or something like that. And they're just, you know, unhappy that it was even given voice. There's not much you can do about that other than to make sure your audience understands that, again, these opinions are not necessarily those of the hosts and the producers of the show. But we want to give voice to every side of the of the issue possible. Those kinds of things. Now, when there are when the person is coming on and and a guest or a host is telling lies about people, you know, just a false statement that could hurt that person's reputation. That's what we call libel, defamation, and uh, and that can bring on a lawsuit. So if you were doing an interview and your guest says something terrible about another person, um, you might want to challenge it. You might even want to edit that piece out of the show rather than be charged with republishing their false statement because the host of the show, the, the producers of the show can be held liable for what their guests say on the show. Now, there are lots of variations and privileges, and depending on what country you're in, you know, here in the U.S., we have the First Amendment freedom of speech and press that gives us a bit of leeway, and it gives journalists and, and reporters the opportunity to report on the fact of the, of the false statement being made and the accusations and those kinds of things. But we don't, you want to be careful. Discretion is, is the better part of valor in these situations. Similarly, you can invade a person's privacy by revealing true, but private information about a person, their uh, sexual orientation, for example, or just sexual history, or the fact that they are suffering from a particular disease or malady or disorder, or they take a particular medication or, you know, um, or, you know, the fact that somebody uses a drug that's illegal might be embarrassing and harmful to that person's reputation, even though it's true. And if it's genuinely private information, you can be in trouble for revealing that as well. Now, if they come on the show and reveal it themselves, that's a different story. Mm -hmm. But if your guest comes on and talks about how they're 
acquaintance who is a famous person, you know, uh, did something they shouldn't or whatever. That, that could be uh, invasive of privacy. So you got to be thoughtful and careful about that. And um, other things that you might have come up in the content of a show. Well, you know, there's always the the risk, I guess you could say, that your audience, enough of your audience gets upset about a particular, even just the fact that you had a particular guest on your show. Um, yes, you know, we're journalists and we want to give voice to multiple sides of an issue. But if you have somebody on that your audience just doesn't like, they will sometimes react with that cancel culture. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that was uh, a term I had in mind. People call, talk about censorship. And I want to be very precise about the use of language here because, yes, it's a form of censorship when your audience says, hey, don't have that guest on your show or take down that episode because that's not an appropriate person for you or whatever. Technically, that is a kind of censorship. But when I talk about censorship, I usually am thinking about people in authority, a government agency or, or a business leader who, you know, wields their particular power mm -hmm. to require the material be taken down. Now, you know, so our television networks have people who work for them whose job is to make sure that they don't end up getting government intervention to censor. So they self-censor. And we as producers, hosts of shows, we need to self-censor a little bit as well. The risk is that we overdo it because we're afraid of a reaction from the audience. And so there is no answer. It, I think it's, we need to be careful. We need to think these things through. And if we are presenting a controversial guest or subject matter or opinion, we need to say so. And we understand this is controversial, but we want you to hear everybody's point of view because we think it's important for a vigorous public debate to, to talk about all of these things. And yeah, if something's false, let's hear the, let's hear the response. Why is it false? Show us. And maybe we'll have another guest on to present the countervailing point of view. I think that's the best thing. More speech to counter speech rather than clamping down on it. Yes, yeah, I think this is a very important uh, thing right now, in particular in North America, and, and I think everywhere else, because we have be grown accustomed to seeing just one side of everything. In social media, for example, if you follow politics, the algorithm will feed you with everything that matches your political preferences or your political opinions. Yeah, so you're going to see the other effect. total stranger, yeah. for example. Yeah, it yeah, that's the term. Thank you. It becomes an echo chamber. And like it happens to me as well in, in different aspects. So I think it's very important that we go back to finding that balance between like the different sides of the conversation and not just judge and, and point fingers of people and try to cancel them. That's very you know, important. I, I grew up and, and studied journalism in, in college. And at the time, in, this was in the 1980s, we weren't yet seeing such one-sided coverage in the, in the media. We hadn't yet, well, there was still a, a principle here in the U.S. called the Fairness Doctrine that required that news media presenters, you know, give some airtime, for lack of a better term, to opposing points of view, fair and balanced coverage. Then we, we had the advent of the 100 or 500 channels of content with cable and satellite, and the Fairness Doctrine went out the window and... Um, that's how you had certain networks pop up that focused on only the conservative point of view. And so the other networks realized, well, some of our audience is going over there because they like what they're hearing. We'd better cater better to the existing, the, the remaining audience. And so we've seen them separate and, and stratify into these different sort of segments. 
and there's no middle anymore. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so it's a very um, crazy situation. Yeah. Very, very so crazy. I think that we as podcasters, we can all try to do better and present those multiple points of view. Before I wrap up, yeah, I think that's why one of the key things in podcasting, because it's one of the few places where you can still express yourself freely and have different points of view without like having an algorithm take down your content or somebody take down your content. Uh, so that's why I think it's very important. It's, the podcasting is still very important on that aspect. Okay, Gordon, what are three key tips you could give to a person who is running a podcast for their business so they can cover? I mean, this is very extensive. All the legal side is very, 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 there's so much information around this, but just three general tips or rules you should follow in order to cover your back when you are creating a podcast show for your business. Well, step one, I think it, it, you just need to think about it like a professional. Approach things the way professionals do. And that means getting your business and legal affairs in order. It means using contracts. The guest release is the, is the entry-level contract for all of this stuff. But if you are outsourcing the editing of your productions, make sure your editor and you have a contract with your editor that expresses what's going to go on. If you have um, sponsors, you want to have a contract with them so they know what they're getting. You know how much you're being compensated for giving them that airtime or whatever else. And contracts with everybody on your team. Either they're employees, in which case you as the creator own what they create, or independent contractors. And that's the scenario where you want to make sure that you have a written agreement with your independent contractors that says, hey, I understand that you, the employer, own the results and proceeds of my work for you. That goes for your graphic designers. It goes for your sound designers. It goes for your, your music composers, everybody like that. And, it, you know, basically, I guess the principle I'm talking about here is get it in writing. So think, think like a professional, behave like a professional by getting things in writing. Most of all, just try to do good and be sensible about things. Don't pick fights if you don't have to. I mean, sometimes that's the best content, <laughs> but, uh, um, you know, be reasonable about things. And I think most of the time you won't need to hire lawyers. Consider forming a corporation or a limited liability company or something to house your business. Keep it separate from your personal assets and stuff. And that way, if there ever is a problem, a lawsuit, a, a challenge, they're coming after the company and not your, your house and your, your life savings and those kinds of things. All right. Gordon, thank you so much. This has been really, really valuable information. Uh, I wish we could be like, we, 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 yeah, we could cover more of this, but I know it will take us a lot of podcast episodes just to cover like particular aspects of legal side of the podcast show. But I'm sure people are going to be interested in getting in touch with you. So where can we find, find you? How can we contact you? If we want to learn more about how to get ourselves covered. Well, the best place to find me and, and all things related to my work as a podcast lawyer is at thepodcastlawyer.com. I'm actually typing that into our notes here right now. And, uh, you know, if you want that guest release, of course, visit me at uh, uh, podcastrelease.com. And uh, I have a Facebook group. You can find me on social media all over the place. G Firemark is usually the, uh, the handle. But the 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 Facebook group, it's a private free group for folks that want to get serious. They want to get legit and go pro as podcasters. It's called Legit Podcast Pro. And you can go to legitpodcastpro.com and 
send me your email address and sign up there and we'll get you into the group. And uh, we're talking about all these kinds of issues every week. People have questions, I have answers, and I've got some interesting, uh, cool training coming up in the next week or two. So uh, join us up there at Legit Podcast Pro. Great. So for those listening, all the links to the Facebook group, to the podcast guest release page and uh, Gordon's page, thepodcastlawyer.com. All those links are going to be in the show notes for you to go check them out and get in touch with Gordon. Mister, thank you. Thank you so much. I've learned a lot. I, I'm usually not very knowledgeable in, the, like, in anything that has to do with legal stuff. I'm really bad at that, but I did learn a lot of important information today. Thank you so much. I'm really glad I could be of service, David. Thank you for having me and uh, uh, really appreciate being on the show. Thank you. Goodbye. See you soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Talking Silkworm podcast. We hope today's episode is valuable to your journey towards building your audience by using the power of your voice. Remember to follow us on social media for more insights, updates, and behind-the-scenes content. Find us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to reach out to us at info at We'd love to hear from you. Remember to subscribe to our show to get the latest episodes and leave a review on your favorite podcast app. We'll see you in the next episode.